to the emperor, Caesar, who was regarded to be God or the human incarnation of God or of a God. It was also home to the best minds of the world at that time, scholars, artists, inventors, writers. So we get the phrase, when in Rome, you know the rest of that? When in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? Which means if you're somewhere else in somebody else's culture or somebody else's home, just abide by their customs or their practices and participate the way that they do. So as not to cause offense as a guest in someone else's place. There's also sort of another shade to that, by the way, though, because um, at the time of the New Testament, Rome ran the world. And so you did things the Roman way or else. And there's a book in the Bible. It's a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. And I think because, in part, his audience was made up of the greatest thinkers, uh, the leaders of the world at the time, this letter, this book of the Bible, Romans, um, contains probably Paul's most intellectually engaging explanation of Christianity. I mean, Rome was the superpower of the world at the time. And in this letter, there's a point, and it's chapter 12, spoiler alert, where the story turns, or Paul's presentation of the gospel turns. And we're going to read it. I'm going to read it for you in just a second, just two verses, the first two verses of chapter 12. But the turn that Paul makes is he spends the first 11 chapters of this letter laying out this explanation, this discourse about Christianity, about life and history and God and faith, what God has done down through time, what God has done for the Jewish people, what God has done for the world, and then how that culminates in Jesus and who Jesus is, even for people who are so high-minded and successful and such thinkers and have things figured out and even have their own way of understanding God or the gods and, and how to live, enter Jesus. And Paul spends the first 11 chapters with his culminating work about life and faith and God and Jesus. And then chapter 12, it turns. And it turns from being diagnosis and prognosis to prescription. As we think about what it means to have a healthy faith, Paul turns to application in chapter 12. And I want to read these first two verses of chapter 12 for us to set up some consideration by us um, about application of this good news. This is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, reading from the message translation, which I've said for the last couple of weeks is just sort of a, more of a common language, straight shooting, interpretation or version of the Bible. But here's Romans 12, 1 and 2. By the way, when I finish it, I'd just like to ask you to affirm it with me this morning as God's word for us. 
as God's people. So I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God. And you respond, please. Thanks be to God. This is a way that we can affirm it together. All right, here's God's word for us this morning. Paul writing to the church at Rome and to us. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You hear it? Paul turns in this moment to application. From diagnosis and prognosis to prescription. And it's not more cowbell. Just checking. You got it. Thank you. The, the prescription includes a couple of warnings. Particularly around culture. Paul was warning the Christians then about the Roman culture and its influence on their lives. In fact, warning anybody who's going to follow Jesus about the prevailing culture of your day. He says, don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking about it. And he warns the culture will drag you down into its level of immaturity. Can I get an amen? But see, it's important to note that the culture of Rome was predicated on their governmental authority. Reference the emperor, Caesar, regarded as God. And that culture required allegiance, devotion even, to Caesar as your God. Now, there was room for debating and discussing and philosophizing all you wanted, but at the end of the day, you lined up with the emperor. We can make an argument that we have a similar politic functioning in our culture today. As long as my party wins, I'll fall in line regardless. You could also make an argument that our culture is every bit as economic as it is political when it comes to falling in line and who's in charge and where our allegiance belongs, our devotion. Hear the warning of Paul about your culture. Our jobs demand our devotion and our allegiance. Our 401ks, our lifestyles, The culture we live in makes the market God. 
and we've developed a way to do it that is hyper-individualized, personalized, our own success, making life what we want it to be for ourselves as a participant in this economic culture of having. And yet the application, the prescription of Christianity, of what God has done in the world and in you, through the person, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, is something else, something altogether different. The prescription here where Paul says, don't let the culture shape your life and how you live your days. It's a warning because the culture will make you numb and it will make you dumb. Don't get caught up in it. Or give in to worshiping the dollar or the ideal life or the party. Instead, Paul says, put your life, your everyday, ordinary, walking around life before God as an offering, as a way of living prescription for a healthy faith is a lifestyle that is lived laid before God. Some other translations say be a living sacrifice which calls on another part of their culture at the time in a way that they practice their faith. They had the practice of making sacrifices literal animal sacrifices, blood sacrifices to God to give what they had to God as a way to atone, to make payment for their own sins, their own brokenness, their own transgressions, to make it right. They gave a life to save their own. And Paul takes that whole concept, that understanding that they really had built their faith on, and he turns it because he says, no, you are the sacrifice. But you're not a dead sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice. Live your life as an offering to God. Give your life to God. Not in a moment, but as a lifestyle. And Paul calls the Christians in Rome and the Christians in Chambly to this way of living and being. Christianity is a counterculture community by definition and by design. And having a healthy faith is about a lifestyle. It's about what Paul says. It's about embracing what God has done for you. And then responding to that. And I think if we're honest, particularly during that sort of this pandemic season, we've all sort of let go of ourselves a little bit. <laughs> or maybe we did at moments or times. Physically, <laughs> spiritually, communally. I was having a conversation with somebody this weekend, my parents' age, who said, you know, we figured out how to use, well, they called it Uber Eats at first, but it's Uber Eats. And they said, we figured out how to use that, and we stopped going out to eat. And then we went from that to just ordering it and going picking it up and bringing it home. We We've stopped going out and being around people as much as we used to. 
We're just supposed to stay home. Not that that's always or entirely wrong or bad, but man, it made me think about how have we changed our lifestyles even during this season of just a couple of years. And maybe it's not a pandemic. Maybe it's something else that happens in our lives or places that we put our attention or our focus or our devotion that shape our pattern for living. I think there's some places where we've all just sort of let go of ourselves a little bit. Or, or coming out of this season of um, distancing and, and isolation and pandemic, life has kicked back into overdrive. And we're flying so fast here and there, we don't hardly have a second for an off-ramp or a rest or a Sabbath. I'm reading that things like anxiety and depression are on the rise. Substance abuse, suicide. We need, our community and our world needs a way to be healthy, needs a people and a place to live a healthy faith and lifestyle together. And Paul is calling the church to be that. In Rome, thousands of years ago, and right here, right now, today. You and me, us, followers of Jesus. On a very basic level, right? Being healthy means diet and exercise. We can talk about that physically, yes. No judgment, please. I know I'm not getting there. But we can talk about it spiritually, too. Diet and exercise. A healthy lifestyle. You need some Jesus? Can we just shoot straight like the message translation? You need some Jesus in your life, in your faith, as a part of your living, as a part of your everyday life. You need engagement. With God, with Christ, you need to be consuming what God is offering to feed you, to nurture you, to nurture your faith. And you need to exercise. You need to exercise your spirit. Put it to work. Use it every day. And you're going and you're coming and working and at home. And you need a spiritual checkup every now and then. And a spiritual check-in every now and then. That's what we do together. When we come together to worship, when we come together to pray or to study or to serve, we need it. We need that healthy lifestyle for a healthy faith. Last Sunday, I um, had the pleasure of leading a Shambly 101 class, is what we're calling it, for people that are interested in membership. I'm hearing for people that, that want to become members. Uh, we got some folks that will join next Sunday. But in the 101 class, what I tell the folks uh, who are coming and checking out Shambly for the first time, other than how amazing all of you people are, what I tell them is if you want to get the most out of church, out of being a part of a church, being a member of a church, I just, three things. Participate in worship. So that, that, it, it is, it's a great check-in and check-up for your spirit. And when I say participate, I mean participate. When we sing, sing. 
When we pray, pray. When we give, give. Worship God and do it together. The second thing is find a way to grow in your faith, to, to learn, to deepen your understanding of Christ. Nurture and nourish your faith in what we call discipleship. And you can do that in a class or in a group. And we got them of every way, shape, and form that meet every Sunday or every Saturday or every Wednesday evening. I mean, we, we got them. And if we don't got one, we'll start one, and you can be a part of it. But find a way to feed your spirit and your souls. Deepen your faith. And the third thing is serve. Give of yourself. Give of your time, your talents, your abilities. Make the space, make the time, create the margin so that you can participate in serving and meeting the needs of the people in our community, the people who are walking in the doors of this church, looking for a sanctuary in this life and in this world. Now tell them, if you're worshiping and if you're participating in some kind of study or discipleship and if you're serving in some kind of way, you'll get the most out of being a part of a church, a community of faith that is trying to live out this healthy lifestyle together. And that's not just for new people coming into this church. That's for all of us, right? Every one of us. I mean, the scripture teaches that we are all ministers of the gospel. Just the way that God made us and created us and formed us. Every one of us. And if you're a member of this church, you took vows. When you said, yes, I want to join this church. We got some folks, like I said, that'll do that next week. And you vowed participate in the life of the church with those things that are going around that circle up there your prayers your presence your gifts your service and your witness and all of that is living out this life of faith it's a lifestyle like paul said and so in the last uh, over the last three weeks as we reflected on what a healthy self-image looks like that you're god's accomplishment we are god's accomplishment so we've considered what it means to have a healthy motivation, our, our why. Our why is because who God is and what God has done in the world and in history and in us. And that we are called to then share that good news. And as a church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, then we live it out. And as we live it out in our ordinary, everyday living, both individually and collectively, our prayer is that God's kingdom will come. And that we will experience the presence of God more fully all the way. So over the next several weeks, what you're going to hear out of the church, and a lot of it generated by our wonderful communications director, Deanna Hamilton, is um, an invitation to look forward to next year. What does it look like for you? participate in the life of your church to live out this healthy faith together all the way and all the way around and so i hope that you'll pay attention to those communications as they come out look for ways that speak to you that you can connect participate be involved and be a part and we can live out this healthy faith together and and Maybe our phrasing will become, when in Rome, follow Jesus.
I want to ask you if you'd make that a prayer with me this morning. And the musicians are going to come and they're going to lead us in another song before we finish our time of worship together. But what I'm calling for in this moment amongst all of us is a time of prayerful reflection for you to spend it with God right where you are. What does it mean for you to have a healthy faith? Whether it's living out your vows as a member of the church, whether it's participating fully in the life of the church, whether it's just the way you live out your days, where your allegiance and devotion lie. Oh God, we thank you for your word that opens up for us, that reveals to us the, the person of Jesus Christ. What you have done in the world, in and through Jesus. What you've done in us, in and through Jesus. God, we are thankful that you created us in your image, that we are your accomplishment that you have redeemed us, restored us, even now, every day, that we stand in the light of your grace and your mercy and your love. And that that's our why for living. God, we're thankful for the teaching and the plain talk of people like the Apostle Paul who lay out for us this calling to living out our faith every day in every way. Oh God, would you give us a vision right now this morning for what it would look like for each of us personally to order our lives according to our faith. To not be trapped, brought down, by the culture in which we live, but to be lifted up, to be set free by a life with you, to be who you created us to be. God, would you give us a vision for what that looks like as a community, as a group of people, as a church, living it out together, and how each one of us, how I, how we are a part of it. God, we say together this morning that we trust you for it. And we will trust you in it all the way through and all the way around. In Jesus' name we pray.